1: Joining us now, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He is the sophomore guard for the Boilermakers and, of course, rivalry game number two with IU coming up on Saturday night at Mac Arena in West Lafayette at 8 o'clock. It is uh, the pride of Westfield, the former Mr. Basketball, the Shamrock himself, Braden Smith with us. Braden, thank you for the time. How are you?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Uh, Thank you for having me again, and I'm excited to chat with you
1: all. Well... You're chilling on a day off. Let, let me um uh, let us all in, Braden, on what entails a day off for a sophomore Boilermaker guard in West Lafayette. What's happening?
2: For sure. So I mean, actually, this morning I went in and lifted at ten. Um, I got lucky today; my class got canceled. So, <laughs> so yeah, so no class. Um, but I went and lifted at ten, and then I got a workout after that from ten forty-five to eleven forty-five. So two back-to-back workouts and then i'm here now so i'm kind of just relaxing probably about to go get lunch
1: now now that doesn't sound like a day off to me you got lifting and you got workouts and now you did get a day off from class what class was that by the way
2: um it was a calm 250 class so kind of like a speech ah. kind of class oh so, yeah
1: all right you need help um you you have to write a speech you're doing some speeches what's happening in there
2: uh, this class, the uh, Com 100, 101, was actually speeches and stuff, presenting in classes and creating speeches, yes. But this class is about just media in the world today and just all different types of media and just the definitions and background of media all around the world today. Well, so. hey,
1: if you got any questions, your guy's sitting right here ready to give you <laughs> profound answers. (laughs) no that's awesome man it's a Brad Smith of the Boilermakers with us last time we had a conversation we were talking about where you guys were in the season fast forward maybe a month or so you get IU coming up at Mackey on Saturday and a big win on Sunday in Madison how do you think you and your team playing as you get ready for IU Saturday
2: yeah, I think we're playing great right now. Um and it it's just it's honestly really fun to be a part of something like this where everybody has fun um winning but also just the successes of each other as well. Like we're all happy for each other. We're all just you know, joyful for everything that we got and everything that we're getting and we're kind of excited for the rest of the season
1: how everything will play out how can you tell just besides the win that and we'll start offensively we'll work into some defense in a minute but how can you tell you know outside of just a win in general that what you're doing offensively is what you you should be doing i mean what's what's the telltale sign or stat besides winning in general that tells you that
2: yeah i mean i think our shooting percentages are a lot better this year um and i think i mean there's been so many stats out there of different people scoring 20 points. I mean, like, I think our whole starting five has done that. So, and I think Mason maybe too. So, I think we've had six guys or, or whatever uh, score 20 plus points. So, I mean, like that just shows our team like how much depth we got and how good we are from top to bottom.
1: When I was watching you guys play and Brandon Smith's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline and beating us on Sunday, I, I was thinking you, you do a lot of these um, you know ball screen actions with Zach. Um, and, and what is can you? Go through with us exactly what you're trying to read off a, a high ball screen with Zach or a slip of the screen with Zach. What, what's like the first read? What is the progression there as a guard trying to make that right play with Zach and that two-man game in mind?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I, there's obviously a bunch of reads that involves that. It starts with the guy guarding the ball. Um, but the main thing I look at is Zach's man, so the big guy hedging or drop, whatever he's in. Um, and his defensive coverage and then after that you got to see the lone man so behind the big guys and see where that guy in the corner is so I mean there's just a bunch of different reads and I'm glad that coach paint and the guys on this team kind of had the trust for me to go out there and make those reads uh, game in and game out
1: how much film do you watch to get that down how much film for example did you watch of Wisconsin going in to see how you thought that they were going to handle that defensively
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, we watched a lot at the beginning. I usually watch it with PGA before games that we play, just of different ball screen coverages, what they could do, just all that kind of stuff. Um, And, I mean, we kind of had a general idea, but I honestly didn't know what they would do. I mean, I felt like they're big guys, pretty mobile, pretty active, so I thought they may have trapped it a little bit more, but seems to me like they didn't. And we were able to kind of get good shots off of that and – be successful
1: at it we have seen a great deal of improvement certainly with with you and when you decide i guess through that progression where you're going to take that 15 to to 17 to 18 foot jump shot we, we've seen a lot more confidence you stepping into that i know it's going to take time but is is this the highest level of confidence you've had because you you look when you're stepping into that like you know that that thing's going to go down if you take it
2: i mean yeah i think it, it, I mean, last year I think it's the same thing. I just I was playing a role last year, and I think this year it's just another role, and it's just me scoring a little bit more. Like, nothing that I'm doing is really surprising me. I mean, I, I've done it my whole life, and I just feel like now it's starting to open up. And for us, our team to be successful, I realize that I'm going to have to start scoring more. So. Where,
1: is, where is that shot that I just described from you that you're so good at on Sunday, you've been so good at this season? Where is that in the progressions of reads, for example, if you're doing that two-man with Zach?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think since high school I've had that. I just, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's just playing a role and being comfortable, and I think coming in as a freshman, I was just really focused on getting guys the ball in the right spots to be successful, and I, that's just what my definition idea of a point guard is, and that's what I thought I had to do to help this team out, and this year it was just kind of taking that bigger role and being like, all right, well, they're going to give you your shot, so just take your shot and then help people second, so I'm mean, that's, that's it's a
1: little bit more. It's, uh, Boilermaker sophomore guard Braden Smith, the former Mr. Basketball from Westfield High School, is with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Um, is it enjoyable? Uh, obviously, you win, so hell, that's enjoyable. But is it enjoyable while you're winning to have such a large basketball bullseye on your back wherever you go? For example, Madison on Sunday. I mean, that, that group, that crowd was loaded. I mean, they were absolutely, not, in, literally and figuratively, probably, at about <laughs> noon, central time in madison but is it cool to go in and having all all that uh negativity thrust at you knowing how good you guys are knowing how important that game is for those fans in that building that are against you
2: for sure i mean I, personally i i love away games and i i love just going in there and seeing them have packed stands and uh, i mean the hate just kind of fuels you gives you a little bit of extra energy but i think what It tells a lot about who you are as a team when every game I've lost here since I've been here my two years, we've been court-rushed. I mean, I think that says a lot about not only our team, but just the program in general and kind of the respect. I mean, people on on other fan bases aren't going to say it's a respect thing, but I see it as a respect thing because, I mean, they're rushing us after they beat us after every time. So I see it as a good thing.
1: That's So it's been every game for you? Yep. That's incredible.
2: except for the two home games which yeah. was IU and Rutgers last year which I mean their team ran on the court so I mean I guess you can count that <laughs> but yeah but yeah that's
1: amazing I, I just that does look like fun and and like your teammates I'm sure soaked this up but I don't know if anybody soaks it up more than you do honestly
2: yeah I mean it's just a part of the game of basketball and I'm like I think I strive most when people doubt me and I think I've done that my whole life. And I think being able to prove people wrong is the best thing in the sport. I mean, what's better than someone telling you you can't do something and you go do it and you're like, oh, well, watch that. I just did it, you know, type of thing. So
1: Yeah. I, there are so many high-level players just like you that constantly want that motivational chip. And that, that has worked to your advantage. I mean, you talk about the doubters, those that don't believe in you. I mean, you can look back, I'm assuming, by, you know, just being recruited. Obviously, Purdue is a place where you wanted to go, but you can let, look at others that are in your same class that may get more notoriety than you did at the time, too. All this stuff is fuel that I'm sure has helped you get where you are right now. For sure. I mean,
2: like, everybody deserves to be where they are. Um, everybody's worked their butt off to get to where they are. So just. The way they got there may have been a little bit easier than mine, but I mean, like I think, like I said, like it's just the best part, like just putting your head down, going to work, and competing every single day, I and mean, then when you do that, it
1: works itself out. So Braden Smith with us in the Boilermakers, IU and Purdue coming up on Saturday. So tell me a little bit about you had an N one and then a a flex on the inline while laying out of bounds. What was said to you after that? I'm just curious from the official.
2: Yeah, to be honest, it was just really weird. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, I mean, like, I guess I'm not allowed to show any emotion anymore. Like, I mean, I'm five ten and smallest guy out there every time. I mean, you got to play with the chip on your shoulder. So I was kind of confused what he was, the ref was talking about. It. He just thought I was taunting the other players. Which, if you go back and watch the video, there's no one by me but Zach and Cam. So, yeah. So I mean, there's. So I'm. I, I don't know. Just whatever he thought. I, I sure. felt like it may not have been his day. I guess.
1: Well, I. Like I think everybody in the world has reactions like that now. I yep. mean, you you're you know, you're banging the threes off your head when you make a three, you know, you're blowing a kiss to the crowd and it happens every you're flexing when you have an and one. The big guys seem like that they're allowed to flex when they have an and one. What's what's the deal with the guard? We we got to make this thing even, I think, don't we? Yeah,
2: I mean, I don't understand. I mean, whenever we play against other people, it's all right if they do it to us. But we do it to them and show a little motion back and throw that little punch back and we get in trouble for it. I mean, I I don't understand it, but it's – it's whatever.
1: We just play our game of basketball. Yeah. And, and you know what, Braden? I, this probably plays a role. I could be wrong about it. But they, they probably also consider, well, we're we're going to maybe, you know, get something, eliminate something that we don't want to have started. And I, maybe that's it. Hell, I don't know. But I just saw it and I, I saw just a little bit of dialogue that he had with you. And I just was kind of curious what he was telling you.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a game of basketball. He just must have been a little upset and thought of something different. I mean, to be honest, most of the time, yeah, I am talking smack back to people, but usually people start it with me. But that time and that play, I was not intending to talk crap to anybody.
1: Are you uh, a consistent crap talker? Do you start it or do you finish it?
2: I'd say I'd more. More finish. I mean, I don't really talk crap unless someone says something to me. That's usually how I've always been. And it, by me saying something back, it's just by me playing and don't you, like, all right, well, I'll just go score on you and then make you go sit on the bench type of thing.
1: You don't have to identify the player at all. We don't want to do that, I'm sure. But when was the last team? Was it Wisconsin that talked some junk to you that you felt compelled to respond? Or was it before that? When was the last time?
2: No, I think it's, just been, it's been all throughout the season. Um, I mean, I think every game there's been a little bit of something. Um, I mean, there's I don't think there's really a specific one. I mean, I think you, you could just go back and pinpoint a lot of different things from a lot of different games, so... Just, I mean, it's just the game of basketball and everybody's competitive and it's just a part of it.
1: That's uh, Braden Smith with us, so the Boilers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline win down in Bloomington back in January. What do you take away from that performance that can be put to good use for round number two in West Lafayette Saturday night?
2: Yeah, I think if we just start off hot like we did there, um, take care of the ball, I thought that was huge, and then just rebound like we did. Um, I think if we uh, control those three things and – just play our game of basketball. I mean, it'll settle itself.
1: Um, what, what, um, a couple of things you're looking for that you guys want to do and establish on Saturday against IU offensively. And I guess we'll talk about defense. We haven't brought that up yet regarding your thoughts on how you guys are playing both individually and team wise defensively.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, same thing as every game. I mean, this game's no different than anything else. I mean, it's still important. It's still a Big Ten game. We still have goals to win the big 10 and go past that so i mean i think just playing our game of basketball uh winning the turnover game and then also just out-rebounding the other team
1: do you um you have thoughts of a year ago what took place last year or was that last year with you as far as what happened in your place um i, I just see it as the last year
2: thing i mean it's a game they came in they played better better than us that night and they won i mean they deserved it so it's just the
1: it's it's game, and it's just what happens. It's uh, Braden Smith of the Boilermakers, the sophomore guard. is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, too. Uh, he's got a day off today. We've been talking about that as well. You've got a full schedule from here on out as well as things really get amped up in this month of February. Give me a couple of things you really want to see you and your teammates improve upon, or maybe I should say uh, be more consistent at something maybe Matt and you know the, the uh, assistant coaches are preaching at just some things you need to get consistently better at right now?
2: Yeah, I think just for me personally, just limiting my turnovers. Um, I think just those games where I have more than two, sometimes one. I mean, it's, it's just mental mistakes. And I feel like sometimes I just don't think and need to just, I don't know, just play my game of basketball without thinking about it. And I think as a team, I think – consistently we just got to like i've said multiple times just keep playing our game of basketball if we keep doing what we're doing um out rebound people and just play hard i mean like i said it'll sell itself
1: how's purdue been for you i mean you look like among all your teammates you probably enjoy it about as much as anybody does has this been when when you signed to go here and and obviously chose that as as your college destination has it been everything you thought it was going to be
2: Yes, it has. It's been great, and it's been unbelievable. It's another step in the journey, and I'm glad Coach Paint and Purdue took a shot on me because, I mean, I see it as a challenge ever since I've been here to prove people wrong and to have someone in your corner like Coach Paint and the players and staff behind my back and everything. I mean, it's just it's just an awesome feeling to have, and I'm excited to be here.
1: Now, this is your overall number one choice, and I don't even know if you want to go back here, but did was there... Was there another place that you thought maybe at some point in time you might be that wasn't Purdue? Was there ever a second choice whatsoever? Or was it just all Purdue all the time?
2: Um, it was It was honestly Belmont and Nashville. Um, that they, they, It was them and Purdue reaching out to me. So that, those were my two options at the time. And I, I just, like I said, like it, it was just the challenge. Like I wanted to take the challenge. And I knew that I was good enough to play here because I put the work in for it every single day. Um I just knew
1: that it was just a challenge to, to take upon. So um, a friend of mine who, he, obviously, he's older than you, but he had a great career at Belmont, is Dylan Windler, who played yep. at Perry oh, Meridian. He is a friend of mine. His parents actually lived down the road from where I live, uh, down in Johnson County by, by Greenwood. I think he's with the Lakers right now, too. But Bel- Belmont's a good program. I mean, I'm a big Missouri Valley Conference guy. I went to Indiana State, so yep. I'm a big Missouri Valley Conference guy. And and that that has been a Rick Bird and now where they are right now, and you see, you know Ben Shepherd playing for the Pacers, who was was there a year ago. That's a good basketball program,
2: for sure. I mean, I, uh, Coach Alexander was awesome. Um, their whole staff was awesome. Their players were awesome. It's just good basketball over there. So, I mean, I couldn't go wrong with either choice. Um, so I was just really happy that I had either to fall fall on.
1: Everybody's pretty happy. I would think that you're at Purdue right now, so there's no doubt about that. Boilermaker fans, love you. We should also mention, too, our good friend Brian, because the last time we we had a conversation, I was at Crafters in Carmel, uh, right there, a little bit north of 146, right there at Crafters, somewhere around 146. I think maybe it is 146, but uh, big fan of Crafters you are, correct?
2: Yes, sir. I mean,
1: been going there for a pretty long time now, so... Yep. You do that. I'm assuming that at some point you you still go back down and you'll play a pickup game or two at Westfield, maybe get some of the Hamilton County friends together and play a pickup game. Is that going to be the destination? You go play a little bit, then you go to Crafter's, have a little dinner, lunch, whatever?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, me and my friend group, we love going there. Brian's always awesome to us. Um, He always hooks us up, um, always gets us a, a table, whatever we need. And, it's a, an awesome thing to have. So.
1: so your friends from your fantasy football league were there with me. And mm-hmm. um, the, the guy that lost had to go with the hottest of the wing sauce.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Did he have to go to the hospital? Did he have to go to the ERF? Because he didn't look right after that.
2: <laughs> no, no, he did not. Um, I think he had some stomach problems for a couple of days. Um,
1: that's what I you get gonna, if you're the loser, right? If you're like the last place finisher in your league, that's what happens. you got to have stomach problems.
2: Yeah. yeah. Hey, something happens, man. It's a part of it. I, I, I didn't play this year because I, I lost the past two, so I, I knew – knew my little boundaries
1: there oh well done well this i'm gonna tell you what i don't know what what brian and the gang cooked up right there but he was on the struggle bus man he was, yes, he, was. <laughs> he was hey i'm very happy for you tell tell everybody in the family i said hello we'll have you back on down here again but uh a pleasure to watch and the best of luck against iu in round number two coming up on saturday and even more so enjoy this day off where are we gonna go to lunch today where are we going
2: I don't know. Maybe a Chipotle kind of day. Oh. So maybe get me some a nice little bowl and some chips and queso.
1: Rocket. Hey, man. We'll continue to check in on you, but you're a pleasure, a joy to have a conversation with. And again, tell the family we said hello. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, Brayden. Thank you. It's uh, Brayden Smith of the Boilermakers on the Andy Moore yeah. Automotive Group Hotline. Seriously, they had a contest. The last place finisher in his fantasy league had to get the hottest wing sauce at Crafters in Carmel. And I don't remember the dude's name. My apologies. But it was an absolute struggle. I, I felt bad for him. Because he was He was struggling. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Pacers a win last night over the Houston Rockets in from Bally Sports, Indiana. Pacers television, the fine pre-sideline, halftime, sideline, post-game guy, Jeremiah Johnson joins us now. Hello, JJ.
0: John, good to be with you. A beautiful... Sunny Wednesday afternoon in central Indiana.
1: It is. How about that? It's like four days in a row, has it not been, with some blue sky and some (laughs) sunshine? Therapeutic it is.
0: It is nice. I know we were on the road a lot in the month of January, but even when we were on the road, I didn't see the sun a whole lot, and I know back home it was even worse. So we're enjoying the weather. We're enjoying uh, the basketball we've seen the last couple of games.
1: I said this. I wanted to see the Pacers make a bit of a move here. You know, win these games leading up to the All-Star break. I want the fan base to go from a sign of hope, which clearly they all have, to a level of greater expectation. Last night was, I thought, a start of that run. As clunky as it was, don't get me wrong, but I thought last night was the start of that. What do you think?
0: I would agree with that. Let's think back to that phone call we had on the Friday night that I was in Portland, and it was, what, a, maybe a 10-minute phone call? Oh, and, yeah. And we were both, I had a, I we had were a both.
1: tremendous sports arousal at that moment, too. I'm surprised we got you on the horn. Yeah.
0: Well, we were both so excited, and I was getting text messages from fans that I had not heard of from a while. And so the excitement was building. And I think you can uh, – let's pardon my, my use of the wrong word, but you can have a little premature excitement, right? I mean, yes. you can just – think it's all going to happen so quickly and then you have to understand it takes a little bit of time uh the new player comes into the mix you also have an injury to work through so the team that you saw that night in Portland the team that you've seen even the last couple of weeks dealing with Tyrese Halliburton's minutes restriction it's not the team you'll see in March and in April but to your point now that if you can go into the break with some momentum and some wins you'll feel really good I think about the where about where this team is coming out of the All-Star break and then have those expectations that you referenced for – March, April, and hey, maybe even May basketball. That's what I think would be really exciting.
1: He is uh, Jeremiah Johnson of Pacers TV. Pacers, their final game before the All-Star break at Gainbridge Fieldhouse coming up tomorrow night. That's at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Everything else next week is on the road. Uh, they host Golden State coming up tomorrow night. We'll get to that in just a second. I thought last night I mentioned this as, as clunky, and it was very clunky. Uh, there are a lot of things to like, some things not to like, and I guess what is also awkward about this entire time is the fact the NBA trade deadline is coming up tomorrow. Now, I would suggest they just stay where they are right now. Others are thinking about trading guys. The one thing I would be very careful and not to mess with is this offense because I just don't think they have ways and means to catch up that much more defensively to lose any sort of offensive output including Buddy Heald or really anybody else that's been significant significant between that balance offense and defense how do you see that
0: they've got more offensive depth than maybe i anticipated at the start of the season and and maybe specifically in talking about the outside shooting we had those conversations in september when word got out that maybe buddy healed and and the pacers didn't agree to a contract extension and i can remember you asking me about his ability to shoot the three they do have better three-point shooting up and down the roster than maybe I anticipated, as Aaron Nismith is second in the league and Jalen Smith is capable. But still, that is what Buddy Heal does. And so I understand what you're saying, and I'm not even bringing him up as for any particular reason to say, right. if you did make a move, I do think they've got more capable guys that it's not necessarily going to cause you to take a hit. It's okay to dip down a little bit offensively if you're also improving – defensively and that's where they have made some decisions in terms of the last two games starting Andrew Nemhard, meaning he'll he'll give you a little bit more playmaking take some pressure off of Tyrese Halliburton handling the basketball but maybe more importantly he brings you a little bit more defense in the backcourt you you were looking for that a little bit once Bruce Brown was traded so um, I, I don't go into this trade deadline thinking oh wow there's going to be a move if it if a move is made I also think it would be on the edges to where it wouldn't really affect the identity of the team. So um, I I understand what you're saying. I'm not concerned about a move happening that would severely change the offensive uh, numbers because they've been number one in offense pretty much from game one. Defensively, they've moved up a little bit, right? Around Christmas, they were 30th, and when I last checked, 25th or 6th, and it's tough to make up that ground um that quickly so they they've been middle of the pack if you put a, a marker of christmas on they've been 16th 17th defensively you still would rather be closer to 10th than the 20th but really even though they've scored fewer points their season numbers are still number one in offense and i don't see that changing despite anything that would happen between now and tomorrow afternoon.
1: you get fourth quarter stops to me and you can make up ground for being 25th or, you know, viewed on that level throughout the game defensively. But if you get fourth quarter stops or late game stops, I think that you can kind of make that up and it can be viewed differently in that fashion. You mentioned Nemhard as well. Since he's been inserted into the starting lineup, you can tell that his major focus is on the defensive end. Now, he was four or five, I think nine points last night, uh, game before, didn't score anything in Charlotte. You can just tell more of his focus. He's been coached up to have that focus more on the defensive side of the basketball right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you need a stopper in the backcourt. You need a stopper on the wing. And you have the closest thing in, on the Pacers roster to, the, to that to me is is Andrew Nemhard and Aaron Neesmith. And so by starting both of those guys, then with the length, of Pascal Siakam, along with Miles Turner. As Rick Carlisle told me before the game, those are probably four of, if not the four best defenders that the Pacers have. So by starting that group, you're giving yourself a chance. Now you saw in Charlotte, the Hornets only scored 13 points in the first quarter, and it was was great. (laughs) And then it was 41-39 at the end of the first quarter last night. So that shows you're not all the way there yet, and you cannot have one good defensive game and just say you've got things figured out. When you bring up the fourth-quarter stops, the one thing that I'll point to that still does need to improve, and it, it, it kind of comes and, and it goes, it's getting that key defensive rebound. And, and the Rockets had 20 offensive rebounds, and, and Rick Carlisle has not been shy in saying, if you don't rebound, you're not going to play. If everyone's healthy, you do have guys that can come in and say, all right, you're out, Ben Shepard, you're in. Or maybe at the center position, Isaiah Jackson, definitely a capable rotation player but maybe not getting minutes every single game. And so he can jump in and take minutes. You can get guys' attention that way. But the biggest thing that I see, and we talked about it on uh, Pat Boyle and I on our podcast today, is closing out those possessions. When the Pacers were up 14, you you just human nature sets in. Maybe you relax a little bit. It's getting those defensive rebounds, and it hurt the Pacers against New York. It hurt the Pacers a little bit last night. You still got that win, but that's defense also. I mean, getting a stop is finishing the possession off, and so that's what I will be watching. Uh, I'll be watching it on Saturday night. I don't know who's going to play for the Knicks. I know everyone who does suit up for New York is capable of going and getting offensive boards, so you've got to do a better job in in securing those defensive boards. Well,
1: and and there was, to me, in that Knicks game, I was more disgusted about that game than I have been in one in a while because the Knicks clearly just had more want to. And it wasn't even necessarily about rebounding, although it can be defined by how they hit, especially the offensive glass. I, there was just more want to in that game from a group without a lot of star power that normally would have. And that's what made that game last week so disgusting for me to watch.
0: Yeah, I heard some of your uh, conversations. I was pissy. I, after that. I
1: was massively pissy last week about that.
0: <laughs> you were, I will say, the rebounding you can point to, I felt like the Pacers were bringing some effort, but the Knicks may be the hardest-playing team in the league right now, and so it can make you look like you weren't you know, giving it your all. I, I don't think there was a, a lack of effort from a Pacers perspective. I think it was still a little clunky as well, in what you're dealing with with Tyrese Halliburton and trying to figure this all out and then looking, when is he going to come in? When is he going to not be in? And, again, Josh Hart, say what you want about maybe his shooting or his scoring. There is no tougher guard to block out in this league. And so I'll be interested to see how the Pacers improve when those two teams play again. And uh, the garden was rocking. I mean, it was a it was a great atmosphere, I still say. GameBridge Fieldhouse, without a doubt, is the best basketball venue in the NBA. But that that organ was playing. Those fans were on their feet. And, and Jalen Brunson, the night after he was named to the All-Star team, he, he kind of willed that team to victory. So it'll be up to the Pacers when those two teams play again to try to get a little bit of revenge. But before that, you've got the Warriors coming to town. So this is a fun next couple of games for the Pacers.
1: Yeah, I had Trace on the show yesterday, and as always, he's, he's really good. Now, he's been... He's been up and down clockwise here recently, and really more down than up. But um, he's as as good as it gets conversationally speaking, and he's going to have a uh, going to have a full house of friends and family there tomorrow night for sure.
0: Yeah, you've got to feel good for Trace Jackson Davis. He's one of those players that sometimes the guy that's been in college for a number of years he drops down. Uh, the draft farther than he would have thought, but he got into what seems like a good situation, and you feel like he's going to be able to have a long, successful career. Compare him a little bit to Trey Lyles, even though Trey Lyles was a higher draft pick. Uh, you look at the guys that were drafted near him, another you know Central Indiana guy, and a lot of them are out of the league, and he's still knocking down shots, and he helped the Kings beat the Pacers last Friday, and I think the next night he uh, maybe had four or five, three-pointers, maybe six even against the Bulls. And and Trace Jackson Davis, a little bit of a different player, but he knows how to play the game and you're very happy that he's found a home uh with the Warriors.
1: All right, before I let you go here, uh you're gonna be here all star week and, and weekend as well. I'm gonna leave this up to you. Um either that I want to I'm gonna text Buchanan and ask him. He'll probably say he's scouting or something, bull crap like that. But I where can we play some pickup games? Where can we get involved with some some people in and around. And can you get me on that LED glass floor to shoot a couple? <laughs> Didn't that happen? I want to see how yeah. the hell that works.
0: I was looking at some video yesterday. It, it's going to be uh, quite the sight, not just in person, but on television. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. You realize I'm not at the top of the food chain here. So if you have Chad Buchanan's number, you have a better chance. Oh, I yeah. will do...
1: He'll say that he's scouting or some bullcrap like that. I'm scouting. Uh, no, I
0: think I, I – I think he'll be around next weekend, unless the Westfield Shamrocks are playing at the time. Well, really I up. heard.
1: I heard um, yesterday it was on the Rick Carlisle show. As you guys referenced it last night, I had to giggle a little bit about that. By the way, the Rick Carlisle show, and not the uh, Morning Wake Up Call with Sweebo. The Rick yeah, guess, Carlisle well, show. God, that's it. not giving. Rick's not going well, to be in that's town. A long title.
0: Well, yeah, I, I know, but I think Chad Buchanan probably will be. We'll see. I, I know Rick is going to visit family, and he's got a lot of. Uh, Uh, a good reason to not be in town my guess would be chad will be i will be i know by centennial unity plaza that the 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 ice skating rink is gone there's now a basketball court but you're wanting to play pick up with who i mean are you trying to get listen i just uh, i kind
1: of want to shoot around on that uh, led glass floor more than anything but yeah i don't really care i mean any of these venues i wouldn't mind to get a couple of shots up I just, I mean, I know they're not going to let me into any of these good parties. And they're going to go, wait a minute, nerd leave. So I'm not going to get invited (laughs) to that. So I thought maybe to get some shots up someplace, and especially at Lucas Oil Stadium with that backdrop and the LED floor. Can you make that happen? I'll do my best. Can you go to Rick Fusen? Can Rick Fusen help me out here?
3: (laughs) He probably
0: could. I mean, he's
1: retiring anyway. I mean, he he got one foot out the door right now. So he can probably help me out and not really care how it looks.
0: I was just in his office for the podcast that I just mentioned. Pat and I just talked with him for about 25 minutes. We discussed the All-Star game at the Hoosier Dome in 1985. Any chance you were there for that?
1: It was not. I was not here. You believe that? The basketball lover that I am, I was not here. I was
0: was seven or eight years old, and there was a big snowstorm that came in that morning, and I can remember – there was some debate whether we could make the trip down from Peru, Indiana, and we decided to go ahead and make, make it down. And we, I, we didn't have good seats, but I was in the building. We stopped at the world's largest Dairy Queen in Westfield, Indiana at the time, and, and then went down to the Hoosier Dome. So that's my memory. I don't have great distinct memories, but I remember the introductions and the starting lineups. And so I am looking forward to seeing it back again, uh, almost 40 years later.
1: Yeah, and, and really, for in '85, for the All Star week, the only place to eat downtown was at McDonald's in the Hyatt. So everybody was kind of stuffed into that place back in
0: 1985. <laughs> yeah, it, it was not like it is downtown now, and it yep. should be a show. And I, right before I came on, I heard you mentioning Super Bowl, and I know people had talked about Indianapolis. What a great job they did hosting that, and whether they could maybe get another one. And our conversation with Rick Fusion, and just to invite everybody, you can go to the events at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. There are the practices, uh, the HBCU Classic. They'll be at the Convention Center, the, the G League game there, crossover. But just come down and experience it. It will be, it will have a Super Bowl feel when you're walking either from that little path from Gainbridge Fieldhouse to Lucas Oil Stadium. You will know you're at a big event. You will at, it will have that Super Bowl feel. Yeah. And, and just figure out a time between Friday and Saturday, even Sunday afternoon, if you've got time to make your way down, you will uh, you will not be disappointed.
1: And come down and see Jeremiah Johnson. And then we'll
0: figure out when John's going to get his shot. Yes, up and you can get. Yeah, you can maybe uh, challenge John to uh, yes. a game of, of pig on right. the glass
1: on the glass floor. On the glass well, floor, Lucas Hall Stadium on
0: the circle. I mean, isn't there a court where your station could have a an event?
1: Yeah, well, with the arc I put on my jumper, it hits the ceiling downstairs. It, ru- it okay. really it, it ruins my game. All right. You really want to be in a Soil
0: stadium on that court.
1: Yes, I do. So, me, you, Daenery, Chad Buchanan, and Rick Fusen. All right? Go up that food chain you're talking about and make sure that happens. I'm putting it on you, buddy. I appreciate you.
0: Let's just hope someone with some power is listening to this conversation, and we'll see what happens.
1: I'm screwed with that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. All right on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, Big goings-on, of course, with the Super Bowl and the crosshairs out in Las Vegas. And we talked with him back, I want to say, at the end of December, early January. Let me set the scene for you. Our friend Chris Hagen of Fox 59 is out with Nexstar, and they're doing Radio Row Super Bowl interviews from Vegas right now. And his partner in that is... The son of the fo- the greatest, to me, football player of all time, Walter Payton. Jarrett Payton joins us on the show now. Jarrett, thank you for the time. How are you? John, what's going on, buddy? Man, it's always good to talk to you, my man. Please tell me, I forgot to ask you this last time. Please tell me that you have, remember when Sears had all the NFL gear when we were growing up back then, right, yeah. Sears? Do you yeah. have any of the uh, Bears 34s still around? No, but you know what?
4: I still see a lot of uh, social media posts and emails from people that had them and kept them and passed them down to their kids. And so it's a, that's one of the coolest things, John, is like not only do I see that, but they're also passing on that sweetness spirit from generation to generation and teaching kids kids about you know my dad. And it's just amazing to see these young kids who come up to me. And they know the history of the game, but they also know his stat lines and all of his rushing yards and touchdowns. And it's just an honor that uh, my dad's legacy is still alive with the people that got a chance to see him play, but also the people that have passed it down to their kids.
1: I have my Bears 34 from Sears from 1980 framed and hanging up. <laughs> I mean, that's how much I was, um, I was a, that, that, that along with the big red machine and the reds kind of like my first introduction to being a sports fan right there. And it's just really something, as you know, as a sports fan, that's something you will never forget.
4: No. And there, there there's those moments for, for me, it was, uh, that was uh, the fab five back in those days and the, and the long shorts and yep. the, the black shoes with the black socks. Like I remember those moments. So, as sports fans, that's what we hold on to, and I think that's what kind of fuels that fire inside of us to be able to love our team, to love those players, and, and to also uh, you know, be at moments like where we're at right now at the Super Bowl, hopefully uh, on Sunday the end watch an amazing game between the Chiefs and the 49ers.
1: He is Jared Payton, who's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, live on Radio Row with Chris Hagan. So are you making sure that Hagan looks decent?
4: Um, it's not about, John, it's not about making sure that Hagan looks decent. He always looks good. Um, I think it's sometimes his the jackets that he wears, he's trying to outdo me all the time. So I got to step my game up just a little bit. So I'm bringing out the big boy suits tomorrow night on NFL Honors when I uh, hand out the Walter Payton Man Oh, man. Alongside my sister.
1: That is so awesome. I, I mean, listen. I have to feel that when you hand that award, there's, there's likely not a lot of things that's more gratifying to you than getting the opportunity to do that.
4: No, it's, it's amazing, John. There's a see these men and and the work that they're doing. Like the other night at opening night, when I was sitting in the scrum with all these people trying to get Patrick Mahomes, and I've never had a chance to meet him. He's been nominated for the awards twice for. Uh, throughout the time that he's gone to Super Bowl. So the guys that play in the Super Bowl that are Man of the Year nominees, you never get a chance to meet them. So I was screaming at him for like 20 minutes, and I finally got his attention. And I asked him, you know, told him who I was. And John, to see the, the smile on his face when I told him that I was Walter Payton's son, he, he smiled, and the answer he gave me, I, I just posted on TikTok, and I looked at it earlier this morning. It was at 100,000 views. It's over 500,000 now. So should hit like a million by the end of the day, but to hear these guys want to win this award more than, you know, the MVP and all that stuff, it means the world to me. And to know that my family's name is attached to it, that makes it even more special.
1: What time will you hit the stage presenting that award tomorrow night? Uh,
4: uh, Tomorrow? uh, Well, first I will try not to be nervous alongside my sister and the commissioner (laughs) to, uh, we we go up and we say a little line while we're up there. Uh, It's going to be, it's normally at the end of the show where they announce it. So, Uh, We'll actually be in our seats at that time, but as of right now, I don't know who has has won the award yet, but we'll find out like everybody else and we'll be excited to to accept this new member to the
1: Man of the Year family and to our family. Yeah, on NFL Honors tomorrow, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And uh, he will hand it out, and he joins us now, Jared Payton on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I noticed you had those big hat-wearing dudes uh, creating dudes (laughs) on Radio Row. You know, full disclosure, I thought Hagan, it was the first time I ever saw one of those hats actually fit somebody. That's incredible. (laughs) John, he's sitting right next to me, and
4: we got the big hat and I'm looking at him. It fit him perfectly, man. It was it was snug on his head. Um, we're Listen, John, we're having a great time out here. Uh, big Game Bound airs every single day at 1 p.m. On, on, on Fox now You can see it on their website. So if you go there, you can watch us live. But we have some great, great guests, and we're having a great time. And, man, hanging out with him and Brett and my, my producer, Rick, We're trying to bring the the best content that we can from Radio Row, and I I feel like we're doing
1: that. The NFL Honors, check him out tomorrow night. Uh, Always gracious with his time and, uh, again, his uh, father, all-time great in the NFL and an all-time hero of mine. It is uh, the son of Walter Payton, Jared Payton, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Radio Row in Vegas with our friend Chris Hagan. Hey, Jared, as always, it's a pleasure. Let's do this again soon and have a great rest of the week and weekend and enjoy tomorrow night. John. Thank you very much. And anytime for you. I appreciate you. That's a Jarrett Payton. You know how that makes me feel. Walter Payton. Oh my goodness. Awesome. Thank you. Hagan. Andy Moore automotive group hotline. Uh, we like to reference it as sweebo in the morning. Also, the morning wake up call, but I think as of last night on Bally Sports Indiana, we have changed the name of the morning show to the Rick Carlisle Show. Kevin Bowen, who is part of the Rick Carlisle Shows on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You guys changing that up, I guess, the Rick Carlisle Show?
3: Well, I, I think maybe Jeremiah Johnson changing it up.
1: Uh, JJ and I exchanging a few texts about that last night there. And- Were you a little bit pissy? Kevin, but was there a little pissiness going on here? Do I detect?
3: Well, I, I thought if I'd been full pissy, I probably would have gone to social media to air the grievances. I decided to go to <laughs> J.J. Uh, J.J. I think, then, I think Jake's know,
1: are, Jake's already taking care of that aspect for everybody today, I think. Has he not? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I saw he and Glenn Esk and Nate Brown and those guys all going at it earlier today. So I think he's taking care of it.
3: Yeah, well, he, he probably covers it on most days, honestly. Um, so then Jeremiah, which you and I could probably take it off air, his response, I don't think Jeremiah would want me to air that on, uh, on the airwaves by any means, but a little back and forth. And then, you know, honestly, probably the one that I was a little surprised by, Chris Dineri, my basketball coach growing up, he also referred to it in a very similar fashion there. I'm like, uh, you know, it, it's a simple name. Uh, You've called it Sweebo, right? Uh, wake yes. up call uh sounds very simple jj tried to pull the, you know uh well they don't give me a lot of time to talk during the run of play I go. you gotta take that up with quinn you know i mean quinn's the one that dominates the mic so uh you gotta take that up there with mr uh with mr buckner on that but i would think you know rick Carlout this morning on the wake-up call here locally that to me seems like proper attribution and uh unfortunately jj none of it there so yeah i, I don't think i'm getting the invite to peru anytime soon
1: I love it. And there's listen, if you don't introduce Rick Carlisle next Tuesday as Rick Carlisle from the <laughs> Rick Carlisle show, I'm going to have an issue with it. You guys you gotta do that. And I don't know if well, I don't know if Sweebo is gonna have a problem with it, but who cares? You you know yeah, what needs to be main, done here.
3: You know, he, he's the main introducer out of breaks versus myself, but if I remember correctly I want to say Rick Carlisle a few weeks back himself uh made sure to reference 107.5 the fan i go on there every tuesday you guys should listen for breaking news i don't even know if we got that there so um yeah i i, I would say you know a little bit of a fractured partnership right now with our uh with our pacers affiliate
1: i've been so jealous that i kind of laugh about this it's, it's almost like you guys are getting what you deserve in my book because I've been so jealous.
3: (laughs) Yeah, if this was you, you would immediately be on social media. Oh, yeah. This is you, you know, texting JJ on the side, being like, man, Bowen is so in the wrong. Texting me on the side, man, Jeremiah Johnson so in the wrong. Uh, Going back and forth. But all, and obviously uh, a little bit of fun there. I I, I realize JJ does have a very – Tight schedule in-game, and and honestly, let's let's be real here, Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. It is the Rick Carlisle Show, and we are happy to facilitate that.
1: Yeah, I I know all it took for me was, like, uh, wait a minute i didn't get a player on this day for me to come on here and start ripping everybody's ass <laughs> and then make everything worse <laughs> so that's exactly what i do and uh, i always have to pay for it I, before we dive into it this is in honor of sweet Bo, by the way me saying diving into something right here before we dive into this um I'm, I'm curious. I brought this up a little bit earlier. I know that people are going to be looking for something to celebrate, something to do coming up for the All-Star Weekend. And I've tried to remind – and listen, I, I've got nothing into this. I'm not trying to sell anything but a good time for an event, which is surrounded by a game that is going to be stratospherically, and is right now, expensive. But I just want to remind people to do something. In the week or the weekend leading up to the All-Star game, this thing hadn't been around here since 1985. It's not likely to be around here for a long time after. Everything's going to be outstanding. Like, take part in something. And I'm trying to convey that aspect. I'm assuming you agree, right?
3: Yeah, it's honestly a reason why we had Sheldon Day, uh, you know, Warren Citroen product, Notre Dame product, you know, member of the 49ers and their Super Bowl team from a few years back. And obviously an NFL or uh, that's why, we, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to have him on the show last week, he's got an event a week from tonight at, at Hinkle um, for, you know, uh, just a little bit of a different angle from a celebrity all-star game. Honestly, you look at some of the celebrity lists announced for today, uh, you might get a little bit more out of the event at Hinkle, uh, whether it's Justin Jefferson or Terrell Owens or, you know, Kenny Moore participating in that game. Um, you know, it's a $10 event at Hinkle and, you know, Sheldon, when we had him on, he was like, you know, I was out, I believe it was L.A. He was like, I was out in L.A. when the All-Star Game was out there a few years back, and I just hated how expensive, you know, a lot of the events were to attend. So I wanted to make sure that when it got back to, you know, my city and I guess our city that, you know, he, he put on an event that we all could enjoy in a little bit more from an affordabil- affordability standpoint. So whether it's that, um, I believe Tyrese Halliburton's at the Vogue, I think with Adrian Wojnowski and Grant Hill, I want to say that is a week from Thursday. Again, I'm trying to think of events that are not just like boom, downtown, rising stars.
1: But Nellie's you know, in, in Fountain Square at some point, right? Nellie's putting yeah. on a show?
3: Yeah, I believe that is the case as well. And it sounds like, again, from an affordability standpoint, really your best downtown hub will be right around the convention center. Uh, in the convention center, I should say. But certainly, you know, if, you know, whether allows us to, you know, do a lot of that outdoor stuff around that area as well. But that's why I've tried to kind of let our audience in on some of this other stuff, whether, again, it is Sheldon Day at Hinkle a week from Wednesday with some celebrities, um, some information on Sheldon's Twitter. I know we've retweeted that. Uh, like you said, whether it's Nelly in, the, in Fountain Square, or, you know, Tyrese Albert at the Vogue with Grant Hill and Adrian Wojnarowski, or, again, just in general uh, at the convention center, uh, those are some of the other events, and there's a lot more out there that, you know, certainly will continue to keep you updated on over the next week.
1: So Kevin Bowen, Morning Wake-Up Call, or what we also affectionately like to reference as the Rick Carlisle Show. He's on the Andy Moore. Automotive Group Hotline, 7 until 10 a.m. That is on weekday mornings, I believe. Naughty by Nature and Spud Web, a show someplace. You got that going on? Yeah, they have plenty, plenty of things to do. By the way, Nelly in Fountain Square, we have a listener named uh, Englepuke um engel <laughs> king's his name engel you know they puke they're, they're probably true. nelly will need to probably file a restraining order before that show is underway in fountain square for engel puke
3: will he rock will he rock the bandage underneath the eye
1: yeah he's a fo- he was a former i think he played football with matt taylor down at franklin college he was a wide receiver in a program that in 25 years never threw a pass to a wide receiver So he was really good.
3: (laughs) (laughs) was waiting for his moment, right?
1: (laughs) Just joking. He's actually a really good guy. Most of the time, he's a really good guy. But no, seriously, there's going to be plenty to do. So let's have some fun and see what happens. Looks like now the NBA, we're getting close to that trade deadline. You got some stuff happening. Timberwolves, Pistons, Utah, Detroit so far. Maybe the Sixers looking at Buddy Heald. That was a report a little bit earlier today. I don't think the Pacers are going to do anything. What say you?
3: Yeah, I thought last night could have pushed them into different sort of direction had the game continue to unfold kind of the way it did throughout the first half. But honestly, Buddy, I, that's probably his best game in several weeks, maybe even longer than that. Um, you know, I thought it was kind of ironic that, you know, when Neesmith gets that third foul in the third quarter, you're down 10 and Buddy comes onto the floor. And it was almost like you started playing better defense when he, when he came onto the floor, you know, certainly he, he had a couple threes that were huge and eliminating that, um, that double-digit deficit getting you back into the game, and T.J. McConnell, you know, one of the handful of nights every year that he continues to show you why. He's so effective for you. Um I, I would probably go there. Honestly, in general, John, and I know we had the Siakam and Ananobi stuff several weeks ago, it's been just a very quiet week of the deadline. Um I mean, you mentioned a couple of very, you know, fringe deals. I mean, it's not, it's not like we've had really much at all outside of that. Who knows? Maybe – You know, deadlines are going to spur a little bit more action here. But I I don't know. I thought with maybe a weaker draft, you'd see more movement. or teams willing to part ways with picks? A little bit more willing, you know, I guess willing than they have been in years past. But so far, pretty quiet. And really, both conferences are so jumbled, too. You know, I thought that would lead to more moves. I mean, the West is crazy compacted. And if you look at the East right now, especially the Embiid injury and, you know, Chris Middleton goes down last night and, you know, Jalen Brunson's a little banged up. Like, I mean, outside of Boston, good luck picking, you know, two through six, two through seven come playoff time. So I'm a little surprised by that, but yeah, I I would say right now, and I flip-flopped on this and I've been kind of torn on exactly what I think the Pacers are going to do. I thought when the trade is made, you had a log jam at the four and, it would make sense to trade one of them. And now I'm thinking, well, it looks like they're just kind of throwing the red shirt on Jairus Walker for the year. And Obi Toppin has, you know, had, you know, some flashes, certainly. And Jalen Smith, unfortunately, has been a little banged up. Uh, and then with Buddy, uh, it almost seemed like Tyrese Halliburton was vouching for his Buddy last night. And for good reason. You know, certainly Buddy showed you. And buddy, but he was him, right. He's
1: right like, in what he described, though, Kev. I mean, he was. Because when he's out there, he, he's still targeted. He's just not knocking down shots going through a slum. But he was right on what he said, and it had friendship to do with it, too.
3: Yeah, I mean, the thing about Buddy that's different than, like, you know, whatever, insert a great, you know, shot blocker, Um, and I guess that maybe isn't the best example, but, like, a great wing defender, you know, you still have to kind of, like, prove yourself to be a great wing defender. For the most part, Buddy, as soon as he steps on the floor, he still creates uh, a a seed of doubt in the defense of like oh man we can't leave him uh, did you guys see the scouting report I, I was talking about this earlier today like Golden State plays tonight and I assume one of their assistants is on the scouting report obviously for tomorrow's game here in Indy and before that that assistant coach needs to even turn on the film of the Pacers he can already jot down hey don't leave 24 or whatever Buddy's number is now maybe it's seven I like I kind of forget what number is but you know don't leave him don't you know that's a guy that we need to chase off the three-point line. It's a guy we need to you know, make put the ball on the floor. And that is a, a weapon for you, and it does help with spacing. And while the Pacers have certainly opted to go defensive-minded in their starting lineup around Tyrese Halliburton, that's been clear with the Nemhard, and especially the Nemhard move. You know, Neesmith gives you a good amount offensively, too. But, you know, in moving Matherin and healed both of the bench and putting Nemhard out there, it is more of a defensive look next to Tyrese. Um, you know, certainly Buddy can still help you out. And, you know, the question becomes, you know, I guess, what, what, what wins in the playoffs? Is it, you know, continuing to try and be near the top, at the top from an offensive standpoint? Uh, do you feel like defense naturally kind of tightens up in the playoffs like it did in the in- in-season tournament where the Pacers did play? Better defense then? And you just think that that will kind of fall into place? Uh, Again, I can go back and forth on this. I wish I was a little bit more black and white on it. Uh, But I would say right now, unless there's a crazy deal that happens, even if you're going to let Buddy walk, it seems like they are content to ride out these next couple months.
1: So Kevin Bowen with us. Now, just be with me. They're not going to do anything. And uh, we want to see a little bit more uh, in detail we haven't seen. And and maybe they do roll the dice and, and, and lose somebody again. When I talked to Chad Buchanan last week, I asked him specifically, are you concerned about these guys that can jet at the end of the year with expiring contracts, not trading them, And he said he's not concerned. So to me, and he could say anything. He could say anything to blow smoke up my rear end. I realize that. But it didn't occur to me like, or I should say this. It did occur to me as that they had some sort of plan. That's another reason why I kind of leaned on them not doing jack squat before the trade deadline. Again.
3: Yeah, I thought I would agree. And like, I thought walking away from the chat conversation, I forget which day did you have him on
1: Monday of last week, Monday.
3: Okay. Yeah. I thought at that time, he very much sounded like, Hey, we're we're probably just going to sit here status quo. And then they lose three in a row. they, They win Sunday. And then last night, again, early on, it, it didn't look great. And I thought, okay, if, if this continues to go, you know, if Houston puts up another 70-point half and you give up, you know, 140 to a team without their starting point guard, and Buddy doesn't have the third quarter that he did, does that lead to some, you know, a, a panic is probably too aggressive of a word, but does that lead, hey, we've lost four or five, you know, should we do something? Um, but again, the second half obviously turned in a different direction. But he once again reminded everybody of what he could do. You played better defense in that third quarter, especially, and then you know got enough stops. Or you know maybe I guess Halliburton kind of iced it there late, um, and I guess that you know pretty much has probably put them in a position right now where they kind of stand pat. And, and I, I they really ever since the Siakam trade, outside of the Charlotte game, they just have gotten very little clarity on a lineup or rotation obviously Halliburton has fought his minutes restriction you know Turner has been a little banged up Matherin has been in and out a little bit as well um you know Jalen Smith has been in and it's like you just haven't found any sort of even like a two to three game stretch where boom here's your starting lineup Halliburton's playing 34 a night and this is what your rotation looks like so I'm just a little confused on exactly what the Pacers will look like, you know, even exiting the all-star break on, okay, here's what you're settling. I guess starting lineup, I think we kind of know. But, again, what does that bench group look like? Is McConnell an every-night guy? Part of me thinks he is, especially with Nembhard in the starting lineup. Is Obi Toppin an every-night guy? Again, is Jairus Walker a redshirt at this point? That's Those are some questions I have kind of entering the all-star break.
1: I think that's okay. You don't think that's okay?
3: No, it, it, I, I – I don't think it's the end of the world, it's just it doesn't give you a clear picture exactly what you are. Like, is Ben Shepard a guy you want out there or not out there? And again, I don't think it's the end of the world if he doesn't play the rest of the year. But I also thought there were moments over the last couple of weeks where it made sense to put Ben Shepard on the floor. I just don't think you have a great feel for what your rotation looks like right now. And part of that is what the next two months is all about. And again, a huge part of that is because Halliburton has had a minute's restriction, and you've been on scramble mode with him and, oh, he's starting the game or he's not starting the game or this and that. Um, I thought when the Salcom trade happened, you had a log game at the four and we'd see Obi on his way out eventually. But, again, whether it's not trusting Jairus fully, whether it's Jalen Smith being a little bit banged up, whether it's Tyrese's situation playing out as, as it has, now I almost feel like we sit here with Obi Toppin and think, well, even if they aren't going to re-sign him, they are going to play the next couple months uh, and, and see where he fits into this group as well.
1: So I think we also got to keep in mind, Kev, that you have a team president in Kevin Pritchard, and I had never heard it before he coined it, that made up a word himself called optionality. And I, to me, that's you, you mentioned a lot of situations with this team that maybe you are a little bit foggy on. Do they want to be this or want to be that? Want to play him? Do they want to play him? I think this all comes down to this team because it's not – impactful to where they ultimately want it to be but it's certainly a very higher level now winnable team i think they just want optionality that's why i don't think they care too much about walker and his floor time right now i think it's you know who's getting the job done and i just think it comes down to that word that we often hear from kevin pritchard with this team optionality
3: well, to me, the optionality word has shifted from optionality for Kevin Pritchard to optionality for Rick Carlisle. by by No, and, and that's fair. Quo. That's
1: absolutely fair, yes.
3: Right, but by sticking with what you've got, you're giving Rick the options over the final two months. You're saying, all right, here you go. All the eggs that you've pretty much had in the basket throughout this season, whatever you want to do, you've got the three-point guards, you've got Shepard, you've got Heald, you've got Toppin in the logjam at the four. How do you want to play, you know, Matherin? All of that, you're saying to this coaching staff, here you go. Let's see what happens, you know, where you at. And, I mean, any time you make a significant trade like they did for Siakam, you obviously lose some of the optionality, which Pritchard originally coined it moving forward, of like, oh, you know, all the cap space and, Boom! When a trade and draft picks, when a trade all of a sudden pops up, hey, don't forget about the Pacers. We've got things that we can insert ourselves into a Karis Lavert deal, and boom, there's a three-team trade, and you know, all of a sudden the dominoes start to play out, and you know, a deal happens, another deal happens, and boom, here's Aaron Neesmith, and now you have a really critical piece for you moving forward. So yeah, I would say that that optionality world word John is now right there for Rick Carlisle and that coaching staff, and you know how they want to divvy up because we. we we see it every year. You get to the postseason, and, I mean, that rotation, you don't play back-to-backs in the postseason. That rotation becomes eight, maybe nine, and if you start to map it out for the Pacers, you know, you are going to trim some guys out of that rotation who play meaningful roles. I mean, right now, with the starting line that they've got, Halliburton, Nemhard, Neesmith, uh, Jalen Smith, or uh, Siakam, and-, and Turner, if you go kind of six, seven, eight, in, in some way, you would think it's Buddy Heald, Benedict Matherin, and Jalen Smith, well, to me, T.J. McConnell's got to be nine. And, and then that means no Obi Toppin, no Isaiah Jackson. And again, some nights you're going to get in foul trouble in the playoffs. or guys might be out. Those other guys are going to play. But you know, again, Ben Shepard, Obi Toppin, Isaiah Jackson, maybe McConnell, guys that we've seen play really meaningful roles. You know, Come April, it could look a lot different, which is a great thing, but also certainly questions that Carlisle and his coaching staff are going to have to answer.
1: Yeah, optionality right there, too. It's uh, Kevin Bowen with us. So I I think it's been, at least twice this year, a really good story in a season that's an absolute mess. And I kind of called out some folks after I used come from behind win, down 18, win on the road at Columbus against Ohio State. Ohio State's a mess. Chris Holtman is in deep, you know what, in Columbus, no doubt about that. But late game, Final five. Anthony Leal was the hero last week. Viewed as a hero this week, and I I took some X messages this morning about well, he did that, but you know he wasn't good at any other part of the game. And I said, hey, listen, it is okay to be critical of this team where they are, how they perform most nights, but. You can also give credit where credit is due. And taking that away from Leo, who is exactly – I mean, if you have a son or a daughter that you want to work their ass off and always be ready, not everything given to them, non-entitled, that's what, what what you would want. And I was really surprised that so many IU fans took that particular path regarding Leo. I just thought that that was a good moment and a moment in which you can say, hey, uh, that game – Oftentimes it was a mess, but look who stepped up again in a late game situation, Anthony Leal. I guess it shouldn't surprise me, but it got me a little pissy.
3: Yeah, I, I, I would think part of that, John, is just some you know some people are just throwing in the towel and uh, maybe down yes. eighteen they even threw in the towel, and that's
1: okay too. But I, Lots, credit where credit is due,
3: yeah. right? And I, I tried to keep the conversation, you know, this morning to you know let's I, I think. Anthony Leal and Trey Galloway throw him in there as well and and Renew especially I mean they deserve to be celebrated for last night um it's funny you bring that up I had a Purdue fan message me this morning and they like sent me um kind of the highlight reel if you will from Leal. and you know that was the only shot of the game but obviously he did some other things as well I mean as much as fans maybe want to rip him um I thought it was a key moment when Mike Woodson put him on Jamison battle at the end after McKenzie and Baco had committed the foul earlier uh, in those final minutes there, he then put Leal on him and that got the eventual steal that, that kind of iced it. But this, this Purdue fan was pretty much like, again, this is coming from a diehard, you know, boiler fan, but this is exactly kind of what, what I think it means to, you know, especially be an in-state kid to play for one of those schools is to, you know, not necessarily, and Leal said it, last night, maybe even tweeted it out, of, you know, it's not necessarily about what the back of the jersey says. Obviously, Indiana says nothing. But what the front of the jersey says there, um, I think it's a great story. I, I, I love it. It's one of the reasons why I love college basketball, um, to be honest with you, John, of a kid like that that is from the state, in this case, from the hometown, and in this modern era of college basketball, he decided to stay there. And now he is finally reaping some benefits of that on the floor, And what a huge shot. I mean, that's, you've got a guy closing out on him. And again, he hasn't taken a shot all game long. And for him to step up there and, you know, bury that on the road and easily the biggest shot of his, you know, college basketball career up to this point. um, Yeah, I I thought it was a night to be celebrated. Again, we'll exit this season, you know, whatever, down the road and and the big picture stuff will dominate the storyline. So for one night, Anthony Leal and Trey Galloway and Malik Renu, they all deserve that, and especially Leal because, again, he's been passed up for a lot of other guys on that roster minutes-wise, and clearly um, he's sent a message with his play to the coaching staff that that was a mistake, and, and in my mind, he should be starting Saturday night. I know it doesn't make up the perfect necessarily point guard construction maybe of what you want, but he has earned the right to be in that starting lineup. In Mackey on Saturday.
1: I didn't understand that. I don't understand people because Manning's going to be a part of Team Shannon in the celebrity game coming up next weekend. Why people around here will often tell me how sick and tired they are hearing about Peyton Manning. I, I will never get past that. I mean, I don't know if it's just me dealing with dumbassery or what, but I will never should get
3: past I, that. Sh- should I know more? Of the, honestly, I'm going to go through the list with Maddie tonight. Should I know more of these people in the celebrity game?
1: Um. Now there's a uh, YouTuber. Uh, i wonder if James does. James rarely knows anything that I know. Maybe this is something that he does. YouTuber I mean, James. There's, there's a YouTuber and right. Yeah, uh, AJ McClain of Backstreet Boys is in there. You're like you were a fan growing really up of Backstreet Boys, right?
3: Is that who that is? Yeah. Honestly, I probably should Google some of these. How about Connor Daly? Shout out to. Is Connor got a jump shot? <laughs>
1: I can't There's wait to Christian, see it. <laughs> I Corner
3: three for Connor
1: Daly? I, I think I saw him send out on X the last time he played was at the Indiana Basketball Academy on 96th Street. <laughs> about 15 years or so ago. So, yeah. Well,
3: I, I I probably played against him at the IBA back in the day there. I And I was thinking to myself, can we not get one? I mean, not to nitpick here, but I'm like, can we not get one
1: Colts player? I was. I thought the same thing. I mean, maybe Jonathan Taylor, right? Somebody like that? Right?
3: Or just even like, I mean, I, I think Edge would hoop a little. I, I don't know. Oh, Reggie's you're talking about,
1: oh, yeah, that. yeah. I mean, yeah, I thought about that too. I thought I want too. Throw it back Same thing.
3: a little. Like, I was thinking, yeah, certainly modern. And, and, and I get in our little bubble, whatever, Kenny Moore, DeForest Buckner, you know, those guys are a little bit different. But, you know, certainly if, especially if Reggie gets the Hall of Fame nod or Dwight Freeman or somebody. Uh, I can't believe Epps yeah. is
1: not playing in it. I thought sure Mike Epps would be in it. And is McAfee affiliated with it? I didn't see him originally announced. That is weird, too, because you've got Stephen A. Smith coaching one team and Shannon Sharp nice. the other. Yeah.
3: You would think the ESPN guy would certainly be involved with it. So, yeah, I'm going to have to ask Maddie some of these names. And then, B, I probably should just Google some of them. I Because I, the A.J. McClain, to your point, yeah, I, I would know that but didn't know it when those was first announced.
1: And then Mike Greenberg's going to be here playing badminton at the YMCA downtown. <laughs> Is that serious? I'm just making that up. That sounded right.
3: Oh <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, Greeny's out from 10 to noon today. He's playing badminton
1: down at the Ursa Y. <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded right. I thought, yeah, you know what, if he's doing something athletic, it's probably badminton at the Ursa Y.
3: <laughs> yeah uh, yeah he's got a doubleheader and pickleball today that's why uh that's why he's out today but chris can will have you from uh from 10 to noon today instead
1: yeah or somebody will uh, there's like flip a coin hey, this guy's good sure. this guy's sitting in today so it's good yeah hey, mike uh,
3: wells will have you from 10 to noon Greenberg's playing, <laughs> playing, uh, see badly.
1: i've had this happen before and i've i've caught hell from esp and hopefully i don't for that badminton comment regarding Mike Greenberg, but I just remember last time I said something about Adam Schefter, I was in like nine meetings afterwards. So, who knows?
3: Well, I, I will again. I, I'm just trying to get JJ to say the wake up call, and somehow the Rick Carlisle radio show. <laughs> I love it. That sounds that sounds to me longer than the wake up call, or even 107.5 The Fans. So. Yeah, we'll see if JJ has any follow-ups as we uh, get ready
1: for uh, for tomorrow night. He is the uh, co-host of the Rick Carlisle Show Monday through Friday, <laughs> right here on the yeah, Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, the morning wake-up call from seven until ten a.m. And uh, Kevin Bowen's on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right, I'm going to find an event for all of us to go to, and we'll all go at some point. Okay.
3: Yeah, I'm going to be the ball boy at Greenberg's uh, badminton tournament. It sounds like here,
1: <laughs> Sweebo can be the designated driver. Okay. <laughs> All right, brother. Good to hear from you. See you, See you John.